You're listening to The Baby Bunker, and I'm your host, Amelia Eagle. Today we've got stories, activities, and poems, all in celebration of bringing in the new year. However old you were last year, I can guarantee you're one year older this year. And we have a lot to celebrate about the up-and-coming year, so stay with us for the next half an hour. Cheers, and thanks for listening. First up, we have Brigitte Heller reading us one of her own stories about making a big journey on a train that brings in the New Year's and a fresh start. If you love trains or have ever wondered what it's like to ride a train, listen closely as we travel from Carbondale, Colorado to San Diego, California. Taking the California Zephyr West. Clean scrubbed blue Colorado sky and the laughing sun. Wenn Engel reisen, lacht der Himmel. 
That means when angels travel, heaven is laughing. And so it did because it was true. Slowly the train is chugging along, slowly, through rail yards and the outskirts of Denver, past rocky flats, climbing through the foothills. A thin blanket of snow is covering the fields and meadows. The zephyr is winding its way like a beautiful silver snake with pretty red, white, and blue stripes higher and higher. We can look back now towards Denver and see the difference in elevation already. See the high rises, a pretty day, a beautiful day to travel. What is my daughter Snooky doing right now? I miss her already. Our friends Sylvia and Jerry are home again. They had taken us into town, and we had a champagne breakfast at the lovely old Oxford Hotel, something special to start this very special day. Across the street at the railroad station, our crates, boxes, and extra bags were put on the train as express, all 450 pounds of it, and we would have it a day later in San Diego. The train was an hour late already. Time to say goodbye, time to say some of the things not said before, and some of the ones said a hundred times. I love you, little snook. Take care. Thank you to Sylvia and Jerry, who had invited us into their beautiful new home for a whole week during the festive season. Snooky had a pretty little bag filled with thoughtful, charming, fun little presents. I unwrapped them and laughed and cried at the same time. Everything had a meaning. I loved Sylvia's basket. She handed it to me, just her style. Beautiful glasses, red and white napkins, crackers, cheeses, white asparagus spears, a bottle of good red wine, little knives and forks, cookies, chocolates, and a big green velvet bow on the handle. It looks just like Christmas on this brisk morning of Monday, the 22nd of December. And then I find her note tucked in with the two Glücksfeniger and all the goodies. Photos and tears of goodbye are shed. Sylvia and I know we'll see each other in six weeks in the Bahamas. All aboard. We wave. We can see them walk with the train. Can they see us? The windows are dark glass. The train goes around a bend, finally down the line, and we can't see the platform anymore. Goodbye. Bob and I sat opposite each other in our little cabin and watched Denver disappear as we were winding our way through the foothills and now Cold Creek Canyon. Our steward had made up our sleeping cabin and we sat watching our home being left behind as we were slowly gaining altitude. The snow glistened like so many diamonds. Will I miss the winters like Sylvia said she would? I had always lived in a climate that changed, and for the last 20 years at an elevation of 8,000 feet. Would I miss the smell of leaves on the ground waiting for the white blanket of winter, the bare trees, the crispness in the air, fresh snowfalls? One way to find out. I have a hunch Bob will miss it, and he was even raised in California. But will I miss it? Well, all three kids are in Colorado, and so are 20 years of memories. 
packed away in boxes, waiting for a good day, sometime hence, to be opened up again, only two hours away by plane. Tunnels, one after another, short ones, and even though it is also exciting and I don't want to miss anything, I can feel my eyes closing once in a while and I do sleep through the entire Moffat Tunnel, but not before I see the bright green freight freight car derailed and laying upside down along a steep slope on the west side of tunnel number 16. Short, windy turns now, and we can see the front of the train. It's hard work for the engine, and it's straining. We're in the middle of the Rockies, past Winter Park, and a stop in Fraser. Skiing, anyone? What not idea. The Yampa River has flocks of ice and runs rapidly past farms, barnyards, and chicken coops. It wasn't that long ago when we had chickens and ducks, sheep, doves, wrong. It is that long ago. Cattle, horses, and large flocks of sheep. Lots of horses. Now again chickens, more sheep, and poor arid land, Glenwood Canyon. I had traveled through this canyon for 20 years and had wished every time I hope I can be on that train one day. And here I am, and I love it. The ice on the river looks like crinkly, crushed white velvet. After the Shoshone water plant, the river is full and boisterous, laughing and playing over the big boulders in its bed. A short stop in Glenwood. If I could only hug my sons, Andre and Jules, quickly. They are only 45 miles up the Roaring Fork River. It will have to wait till March when we see them for a skiing vacation in Aspen. I wish they could have been right here, but the stop is only for five minutes and we are already an hour late. We have tried all the cheeses and crackers and luckily skipped lunch. A glass of wine and a little nap. We are out in the desert again. Gold-lit mountains, flat-topped sliced off the tip of a boiled egg, sitting in an egg cup. We're outside Grand Junction now. Winter wheat is young and green and doesn't seem to belong into this wintry landscape. But there it is, a promise of spring. Orchards. And then it is dark, only an occasional grouping of lights, a town, houses, village. We pass them as quickly as we see them. Dinner is being called, and we sit down at 8.30. I have already adjusted my watch. I'm ready for California. I had protested when Sylvia packed the basket, and she had said, I know there is a dining car, but you don't want to be dependent on that dreadful food, do you? I was laughing now. Well, at least dinner was dreadful. The steward had made up our beds with nice white sheets and put out fresh towels, and with a little help from my friends, I fell asleep. So deeply asleep, I did not even wake up when the cars were uncoupled and changed around, and some added in Salt Lake City around midnight. The rhythm of the wheels had sung a vegan lead, a lullaby for me, and I woke up in Las Vegas. It was seven in the morning. I remembered coming this way in August with my son Andre, and even though we had an air-conditioned car, it was utterly unbearable. What might the temperature be now? But nobody knew. 
and we were not there long enough for me to find out. Barstow. I think this is where it was a hundred in the shade when we drove through, and this is what I saw now, the first green grass by the side of the tracks. They must have had some rain recently. The first oleander blossoms and daisies in some far-off green irrigated fields. The station itself was in ruins, it seemed. Now the San Bernardino Mountains came into view, light purple-gray and hazy in the distance, coming closer and getting more distinct. We had gone straight through and over them by car, and it was very dramatic to see the other side all of a sudden. Unhappily, it was a very polluted day late last summer, and I thought Andre might just turn the car around. He was so disgusted. But I guess it was an especially bad day. The San Bernardino railway station was pretty. It reminded me of a mosque surrounded totally by an evergreen hedge. Fullerton, end of the Zephyr for us. We have to change trains. We get off and wave as the train pulls out, and the people we have met wave back to us. Our friendly steward, the father going to his daughter's wedding in Long Beach, the young writer, adieu, all around us blossoms, oleander, geraniums and daisies. The lampposts are decorated with Christmas garlands. Do you like the temperature? <laughs> oh, yes, it must be 70 there on that platform as we were waiting for the train to carry us house. The long, thin branches of the eucalyptus trees behind the station move gently in the breeze like weeping willows, their good smell in the air. People milling around in summer clothes, colorful shorts, barefoot. Some have gotten off the train with us and look as if they were coming from the Arctic. Oh, we are from Chicago, you know. No kidding. Our next train takes us along the ocean. What a beautiful sight. The water is calm, and the sun is setting in the west like a large orange ball slowly dropping off the edge and coloring the ocean like liquid gold. It is getting dark now, but there are still surfers out waiting for the perfect wave, and the swells are still rolling by. Bob sits opposite me, and I think he used to play like this, surfing, waiting for the waves. Then he came to Colorado, found me and the three children, an eventful 11 years for all of us. Now he is here, back with me, and we are going out together, embarking on our new adventure. In a way, I'm sad the train trip is almost over. After over a thousand miles traveled during the last two days, I'm very excited. I can hardly wait to see our beautiful sailing yacht. San Diego, end of the line. The taxi takes us right into the Intercontinental Hotel Marina, right down the boardwalk. Minutes later, we are on the boat. She is so pretty and has been expecting us. My namesake, the Brigitte. I look around. Everything is beautiful and familiar, and I love it. The palm trees are silhouetted against the lit-up sky. The breeze is cool, and the smell is strictly ocean. I wish the kids could share this with us, but right now, I don't miss anything, and I'm very happy. P.S. The 450 pounds of crates, anchors, lines, my bike, IBM typewriter, Panina sewing machine... 
boxes and bags were unpacked next day in one and a half hours. Everything was stored with space to spare. I must admit, though, I have felt at times like a mad scientist. Even though I found places to put things, sometimes I forgot later exactly where those places were. The boat lowered itself into the water another inch with a new burden, and we were ready for Christmas in Oceanside with friends and relatives. Happy New Year! I see the sunrise creeping in Everything changes like the desert wind Here she comes and then she's gone again And I'm just a traveler on this earth Shine my heart behind the pocket of my shirt I just keep rolling till I'm in there Cause I'm a traveler Oh, I'm a traveler I couldn't tell 
Thanks, Brigida, for helping us travel when most of us are stuck at home. Books and stories are always a good way to travel, even if you're in your own bed. Now, it wouldn't be a proper wrap of a year on the Baby Bunker without our resident star mad scientist Chloe Ivanoff teaching us how to party the right way. Hello, listeners. Big and small, young and old, New Year's Eve is here. Congratulations. You made it. It's been 525,600 minutes since the last time you were here on New Year's Eve. How are you going to ring in the new year? Will it be with an inflatable jump house? Will it be dancing in the moonlight? Will it involve a giant cake of your favorite flavor? Whatever your New Year's looks like, I'm sure it could be bumped up a notch with these homemade party favors. They take only a few household items to make and add a whole lot of fun and excitement to any New Year's fiesta. Today, we're going to make some New Year's party poppers. For this project, you will need 9-inch balloons, empty toilet paper rolls or paper towel holders cut into 4.5 to 5-inch long sections, tape, some colorful paper or wrapping paper, glitters, stickers, markers, or other coloring tools, confetti. This can be made at home from tiny cut-up pieces of paper, or you can use rice, dried flowers, birdseed, dried leaves, lavender, biodegradable confetti, old dried herbs, and maybe even some spruce needles, although I haven't tried that one yet. First, take your balloon and knot it. Next, cut off the tip, then stretch the balloon over your toilet paper roll or shortened paper towel roll so the knotted end is at the bottom. Secure the balloon in place with your tape around the toilet paper roll. Next, decorate the outside of the toilet paper roll with your colored paper, old wrapping paper, or tissue paper, stickers, glitter, or drawings. Whatever you think will make your party popper pop with New Year's pizzazz. Next, take the confetti of your choosing and fill the open side of the toilet paper roll with about three tablespoons of confetti. If you choose biodegradable confetti or other natural materials, like dried flowers, rice, bird seed, dried leaves, or lavender, you can pop your confetti outside and don't worry about picking it up because those materials will break down or be eaten by birds if you chose bird seed. If you use real confetti, it may be best to pop your poppers indoors so you can vacuum up the little plastic pieces and dispose of them in the garbage. Now, it is time to launch your confetti party popper. Pull down on the knotted end of the balloon and let it go. Pop! The confetti should spring high up into the air, signaling it is New Year's Eve or New Year's or whatever you decide to celebrate for by popping some poppers. That's right, you can pop these poppers for any occasion because not only are they reusable, but every day has something worth celebrating for. Make them with friends or for your friends and have the best time ever.
And here is a New Year's Eve poem. This night of all the nights is the year's last. All in all, the other nights are gone, are past. After the evening, with its fading light, put the lid on the hour and close it tight. Close up your tiny eyes, close up the day, bid the old year goodbye and come away. By Jean Kenward.